Today's episode of the Mission Daily is brought to you by Twilio. This October, Twilio is hosting Signal, the customer developer conference of the year. To grab your tickets, go to signal.twilio.com and be sure to use the code MISSION20 at checkout to receive 20% off your tickets. On this episode of the Mission Daily, we interviewed Mission co-founder Stephanie Postles. In part one of this interview, Stephanie shares her personal story, what it's like running a company with her husband, Chad Grills, and what companies could do to improve conditions for working moms. Enjoy. Stephanie. Hello, hello. What's up? This is weird being across from you instead of Chad or Ian. Yeah, it is. It's kind of weird in the sense because I was thinking about this when I was like getting water beforehand. I was like, I don't think a lot of people get to interview their boss on a podcast. Not that I know of. Yeah. None that I've listened to. And I don't know you at all. Like I, I know I like had to get to know Chad yesterday through like an hour and kind of just being the producer of this great show, The Mission Daily. Now I get to interview the woman behind the mic, Yay. the the one half of the whole of the, the girls team. Yep. So, but you're a postal, so we're yep. going to dive into that later. <laughs> yeah, but, it confuses some people, but that's okay. Yeah, it's a confusion is good for everyone. Yeah, it's we'll good. get over it. But I, I wanted to take this time. I think this episode is going to really just focus on you. I think a lot of people, I mean, all of our listeners hear your voice. They wonder who you are. They've seen pictures of you either on Facebook or the Twitter or whatever other medium that there is out these there. These kids are doing these days. Yeah, the <laughs> darn kids and their technology. But I don't think people just know what you what you do here, but... Also, just you as a as a person, like for example, yesterday when we were talking on the interview with Chad, there was a baby mysteriously floating around in the team meetings for the couple months that I've been here, and nobody claimed responsibility for this for this child that was just <laughs> floating around in onesies. And I thought it was Ian's yep. kid. Yeah, and that then... was actually pretty great when you're like, "Yeah, that's Ian's baby, right?" I'm like, "No, that's." That's my baby and Chad's baby. Yeah. And you're like, and that, oh, you're married? Right, exactly. And I'm still and I'm still like, wait, 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 wait. Like, when did this happen? So we need to dive into that today because I heard it from Chad. Obviously, Chad and I just need to make out on the team calls so everyone's just aware. Or just like a consummate the marriage in terms of kissing. Just yeah. like, you know, just like one kiss and then, okay, we get it now. Yeah, like, everyone. Let's just get it out in the open. Let's just talk about it. Yep. <laughs> but there's a lot of... There's a lot of different aspects to your family life. There's a lot of different things that you and Chad do behind the scenes that I think our listeners will really appreciate. So, but All right. but I'll this is you about leave. you. This is about you. So, you're from Maryland, right? Yes. Okay, where'd you where'd you grow up in Maryland? The Eastern Shore of Maryland. So, the exact almost opposite side of the US, like the coast near the beach pretty far away from and what's here. the what's the area called? What's the town called? It's called Salisbury. It's very Salisbury, small. Like the yeah. steak. Yeah, yeah. Okay. everyone says that, but I do not think that's where the steak came from. No, I don't think there's a Salisbury steak, Maryland. No, it's like cornfields, beaches, chicken farms, very pretty rural. Did you grow up on a farm? Near one, yeah. Near, like, well, farm and chickens. Did you have chickens or no We animals? didn't, but in our backyard there was, what is it called? There's like, it's not a chicken farm. You know where they have a bunch of chickens in a house and they're like... Coop. There you go. But it's like a big one, like an industrial one. Oh, really? Yeah. So like foster, like a foster farm's like yeah, a massive. I guess, yeah. Did you ever like take eggs from there? Or like Never uh... took eggs, but my friends and I, we would, and my twin sister, we would go inside the chicken house 
and all the boards were kind of like cracking and stuff we would sneak in all the time and just like walk on all the levels and just explore it and there's like poop everywhere it was just great <laughs> yeah how old were you when you were doing this at least like 16 no i'm just kidding it was probably like i don't know seven or eight maybe it was yep. just fun because you weren't allowed in there you were telling me a little bit beforehand that you're you and your sister are identical twins yep you're a minute older but she seems like the more rebellious type is that is that yeah, true well let's see when, when we were together we were both very rebellious together but then when it came to certain things, I just took it more seriously than her. So when it came to school, she did not care about school. It was really great because she just like, like I said, she would take her tests would get passed out and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need to get an A plus on this. And she would just crumple it up in front of the teacher and throw it on the floor. And I'd be like mortified, like, Brittany, stop it. Do you ever think she would get you confused for her? She did all the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, people, teachers would not like her and then I would walk into the classroom and I would just get dirty looks from them and I'm like I'm not her so then I just ended up being bad with her because I'm like it's a lose-lose might as well just like have fun with her so we did some pretty delinquent stuff when we were little were you the more buttoned up one out of the out of the twins yeah I mean we would definitely get in trouble together still but from the outside I was a little bit more buttoned up sometimes and she just had more fun and then where'd you go to college Salisbury Salisbury yeah because okay. our parents were like you can stay living with us but if you go anywhere else, like you're not going to have food taken care of and a house taken care of because we can't help pay your way there. So we were just like looking. We we're like, no, we're definitely going out of state. We're going to go to all these different colleges. And then we started looking into the cost of it. And we we're like, yeah, we're just going to stay, stay here. And we'll just live with you guys. And this is the only college we can afford. And we can't afford like housing or anything. So we just stayed in our town, went there. And it was good. It was fine. What did you study? I studied investment finance, so like stocks and stuff and like trading. All the things that piqued your interest, that was it. <laughs> that was it, yeah. I mean, it went through a phase of like, we both started out, my sister and I, in nursing. And I was like, ugh, icky. And then I was like, I, I don't really, can't do that. And then we switched to teaching together. And then I was, just, I was like, uh, I don't, I think I'm just doing that because my whole family's teachers. I don't think I actually want to do that. And then that's when we branched off and she stuck with teaching and I went with finance mainly because I was like, how can I make money on my own? Yeah. And that's why I wanted to learn that. Did you want to be like a, like a Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, type I thought or? I did. I thought I wanted to be like an eye banker. Yeah. Really? Yep. Until, yeah, I think I got to senior year and you got to invest the school's money. And we went through this whole process of picking the stocks and like going through all that. And I was like, it was cool and all. We made a great return for them. But then I was like, this isn't fun. <laughs> like, I don't really, I like doing it for myself, but I would never want to have someone else's money at stake because I'm, I get too stressed out about that kind of stuff. Like, I don't mind if I lose thousands of dollars, but if I know I'm losing money, you know, either investing someone else's money or that just stresses me out. So that's when I realized, mm, not my thing. Like, I'll do it for myself, but. Yeah. Well, if you're okay losing thousands of dollars <laughs> of your money, you do great in Vegas. Vegas I mean, not you. that kind of losing money. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like a gambler. I'm like very risk adverse. But then also I invest in like Bitcoin early days when no one even knows what it is. So that's oh, like... Oh, you did? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, I bought four of them for $900. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Oh my God. Yep. And then I bought Ethereum and then Bitcoin splits and I've got Bitcoin cash and then I bought Stellar. Yeah. So I'm like into crypto, but I'm also okay if I just lose all that money because... That's so I'm I'm on both sides. We need to talk about that in another episode. Like I have lots of questions. Uh -oh. I'll probably actually I'm actually just probably going to ask you like off lot like off, okay. off off mic max we'll do that. Yeah, I stay up on crypto stuff. I think that's super interesting space and I mean that's 
a future podcast that I want the mission to have is a crypto focused podcast, or it can be finance focused and then like a hint of crypto in it. But I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. And the funniest story I have around crypto is, so I was working at Fannie Mae before we came to California. Was that before or after the debacle? That was after, and it was an interesting time to go there. That's for sure. But I was working in the office of the chief economist. So I was in the economics group, super boring and lame. And I was like, oh, what am I doing here? But I went to him and I was like, I see all these processes happening with a mortgage. Like, you know, you, you can't even prove that someone owns a home. It's like, takes like days to even for someone to like buy a house to make sure that the land and the house is owned by the person who's selling it. Simple things like that. And I was like, I really think that we should look into the blockchain of putting all the paperwork and the assets on the blockchain. And I gave him this big idea about like how we could incorporate blockchain into the mortgage process. And he laughed me out of the room and thought I was like ridiculous. And he literally told me I was ridiculous. I mean, this was like when it was pretty early, but like didn't even explore it. And now I think it's super funny that there's all these startups coming out who are all doing the exact thing that I told him back in the day, like wouldn't end up happening or like maybe we should explore. And he really thought I was completely stupid. What year was that? I think it was about 2011. So you were way ahead of that was you're way ahead of the curve at that time. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, when I invested, to be fair, in Bitcoin, I did not know much about it. I just thought it was a really interesting concept, and I was like, hmm, pretty cheap. And if I lose a thousand bucks, like fine. I really didn't even know how to buy it. It was just pretty complicated. Yeah, even like setting up a Coinbase account and trying to figure all that out, and getting it into my own little wallet and stuff. Oh, it was a hassle. I didn't even know what I was doing. But yeah, I was just exploring it. And then I just started reading the white papers from Satoshi. And I was like, this is cool. I think this has like a lot of impact. It could be another decade until that stuff happens. But it's just interesting to stay up on. Well, and then what I do want to explore is how you met Chad. So for those of you who have never been to the studio, you may have seen the studio from afar on our live streams or our cameras. But there are a couple coasters in here. (laughs) And in one of these coasters, there is a picture of... Mr. Chad Grills and Stephanie when they were in college. Yes. And Chad is shirtless in this coaster. And I was like, how, first of all, who created this coaster and where is this from? And you have a great story about it. So this was from the first night that you met Chad. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, I never thought these coasters were going to live more than a year because I just bought them off some really cheap website. It was for our first year anniversary. I never thought that they would travel like they did. I mean... I bought them for him when him and I were still living in Salisbury. And they then went to D.C. and then another home in D.C. that we were renting. And then to our first apartment in San Jose. And then to Mountain View and now here in Palo Alto. So they have traveled. I never thought they would go that far. So this was our first night we met. And I was 19. You still look the same. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. You and Chad look exactly the same. (laughs) It's pretty funny, especially when podcast guests come over and they see a coaster with Chad shirtless. Yeah. But so, yeah, I was uh, a little bit tipsy at this party. It was a house party. Yeah. And I was underage. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And Chad was serving. He was a bartender. And he says he was going in the pool. But this pool, I didn't see him enter the pool once. He just oh, okay. had his shirt off. Because I asked him, I was like, where's your shirt? I mean, I like it, but like, where's your shirt? Right. And he was like, oh, I went in the pool earlier. I'm like, really? Like, you don't look wet or anything. So I think he just had his shirt off for funsies. <laughs> and he, you know, I was loving it. So I'm like, oh, man, look at these abs. Look at these guns. Like, I like this. But he was, yeah, he cut me off that night, which no guy had ever he done before. You, he, he cut, cut me off. off. Yeah. With shots. I know. How many drinks deep were you? I don't, I mean, 
not enough. <laughs> I was like, how are you cut me off like that? In college, how dare you, Chad? Yeah, like, but I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. I was mad, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're annoying, dude. But then I was also like, that's kind of sweet that he cares that much because all of his bro friends, I mean, Chad was in the army, and a lot of his army friends were there, and they were the ones trying to pump drinks and me and all my friends, you know? And when he was just like, guys, you need to stop, like, leave, you know, no, she's good. And all of his friends were like, hey, do you and your friends want to, like, come back to the house with us? Mm -hmm. And Chad was like, nope, they're good. I'm taking you back to your parents' house. Literally took me back to my parents' house. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when you knew. Yeah, that's when I kind of knew. I was like, all right, this is a stand-up guy. He's really sweet. So it started there. And, yeah, the first night, too, it was pretty funny. I can sometimes be a little aggressive and... I think I had just gotten out of a relationship and he had just gotten back from his Iraq deployment. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty serious and I was kind of poking fun at his seriousness. Mm-hmm. And he was like asking like, oh, do you want to hang out after this? And I was like, maybe. How many kids do you want? <laughs> he was like, uh, what? And I was like, yeah, I don't want to mess around with you if you don't want kids ever. And I was like 19. I was kind of joking, but also kind of not. And yeah. now we have kids, uh, a kid. So yeah. I guess it worked out well. But yeah, it, that was the first night meeting I asked Tying it all back together. Yep. Now the floating baby is is the responsibility of Stephanie and Chad's now. Yes, and now we have the floating baby who goes in and out of our lives. Yeah, Grayson. <laughs> yes. He's so great. Yeah, he's a cutie. How long have you guys been together for? A couple of years? 10 years? Since, um, yeah, 10 years. years. And when did you guys start dating after that first night? It was like, I think it was like a month or two later. I was, I was kind of playing hard to get. Yeah. I think I was so standoffish asking those type of questions in the beginning because I was actually trying to push him away. Because I'd just been out of a relationship and I was just like, oh, I don't want to do that again right now. And so he would text me and he'd be like, do you want to like go to dinner? And I'm like, mm, no, like I'm kind of busy. And he kept texting me, asking me to hang out. And I was just like, ah, oh, maybe, like maybe if I see you at a party again, we can hang out there. And then he sent me a text and he was like, do you want to ride on my motorcycle? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so that was like our first date on right. his motorcycle because I'd never been on a motorcycle before yeah and after we started dating i was like yeah you need to sell that and that's dangerous <laughs> yeah. it just reeled you in but yeah you know. he reeled me in and then i was like yeah get rid of that emotionally what were you feeling at the time because you see you strike me as a is you're not a as serious person yeah as one would believe you to be from yeah, the outside but in terms of like when you met chad and he was texting you were you like excited inside were you kind of like i was excited a little giddy I was kind of giddy. I was also nervous because he was still in the military. Mm. And, oh, yeah, that was also the first thing I told him that night is I don't date military guys. Oh. Yeah. And he was like, why not? I was like, I don't want to date someone who's, like, going to be leaving on deployments for years at a time and have a baby with them and them not be around. It's kind of mean, I know. But, like, I was like, I don't think I could do that. And so I think I tried to keep distance in the beginning because I didn't want it to get – I was nervous about it getting serious because – I was like, man, if you're like a career military guy, that's not going to work for me. And so then we talked about it and I knew he could have another deployment coming up, which he did. But then he was like, yeah, I'll be getting out after that. So Well, and it was also during wartime too, I think, yeah, yeah. the sentiment of... Yeah, that just like scared me too. Of like, you just got back from Iraq and now yeah. they're already talking about you going to Afghanistan. Like, I don't know. It's... And he was infantry too. And yeah. so that's, it's yep. not like, you know, he was sitting behind a desk I pushing know. papers. Yeah, it was just a lot to think about and a lot to worry about and... It's kind of scary when you meet someone and you're like, how will you change if you go on another deployment? Will you come back and be the same person? Like, I'm going to wait around for a year for you. And like, you know, you had a change of heart. There's a lot of questions that you have just thinking like I could literally be home for a year, just kind of like hanging out and waiting and then him come back and be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, 
you know? So I think that was kind of like the things I was worried about of people change after a year and you can grow apart and it's really hard to stay connected if you aren't around someone for a whole year. So. Well, and especially like with, you know, speaking to deployments or like long trips where people are separated from each other. I think both people also change too. And that yeah. is, that is really interesting from a concern. I remember when I deployed, I was always worried about like how I was going to be when I came back and yeah. I definitely changed. Yeah. And like my family had changed too. And I don't know. I sometimes look back at that and say, is it, did I change more and they didn't change yeah. and that's why i feel the way that i do or did they change a lot and i didn't change at all yeah right and exploring that yeah but you two made it through we did you... i mean it was hard work yeah. definitely not easy we tried to stay in contact as much as we could and the one way that we did was working on projects together that just it's hard to have stuff to talk about when you're not doing the same things so it's easy you know if you're going to college together or you're even like living together and stuff and you're like, oh, so-and-so did this today. And like, oh my gosh, my family's so silly. We're like in this little argument or this is what happened, you know, when I went to class today. Like, you remember this teacher? You know, you have like things to talk about. But when someone's away from you for a year and they can't really talk about what they're doing. So I don't even know what he's doing really. Mm -hmm. And then I'm at home and I'm like, well, all the funny things that happened to me today, you won't think they're funny because you don't know these people anymore. Like you don't know my friends anymore. So you had to kind of come up with ways to like connect. So working on businesses together is how we connected. Yeah, which is, that's a great segue into what we were talking about here is you guys work a lot. Yes. And we were actually talking about vacation. What was the last time you took a vacation, Stephanie? I mean, like you heard, Chad and I will disagree about it. I don't think our last real, real vacation, like to me, vacation is you don't email. You don't, you don't worry about work at all. You don't work. You don't work. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you love work, you don't work. You like stay off Slack. You can't help. So like if we were to leave you guys, like be like, Mike, Max, you guys are good. You figure it out, you know? I think it's been like eight years. Like it's been a long time. Since eight we, years since you had a vacation? We've been on vacations, but since we actually were able to disconnect from the business stuff completely. You guys have been together for how long? Like 10 years. So you've only had... The, oh my God. Yeah. So we went on... After Chad graduated, we went to the Virgin Islands and we just didn't worry about anything for I think it was two weeks we just snorkeled and hung out in our little it was like an eco resort and we just like had great food explored the islands like we literally didn't think about anything other than just like having fun and like but we also weren't working on anything that was like mission critical at the time so I think that's why maybe back then it was just easier because I think I was still in school and so it was just kind of like easier to get away and not worry about anything but since then most of our vacations have been workcations which like we were talking about earlier, Chad thinks that's like fine because he loves what he's doing so much. And I love it too, but I think we just have different ideas about, like we went to Tahoe recently. Yeah. Great. But most of those mornings were spent working with you guys. So. I love Tahoe. I know. Tahoe's so nice. It's our favorite spot. It's like one of the best places. I live in the mountains in Colorado and it's, you know, every time I'm, I'm back home in the area, I just go, man, like I, I love the mountains. I love yep. the fresh air here. Tahoe just reminds me of that. Oh yeah, I love Tahoe. So yeah, next time I told Chad we go back to Tahoe, no email, no. Just you guys need to go. I know. Like now. <laughs> no. <laughs> like I know. take off for the weekend now. Yeah. It's fall time. Yeah, I know. Fall. But how do you find time? So how do you find time to do all this? Because you're running this company as well. You're a mom to a five month old, and then. Not only are you trying to make sure everything's in line from operation standpoint, you're also trying to have a marriage at full time. Now, there's this, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's this idea in 
predominantly with women that they they can't do all that that they can't be a working mom they can't I believe you still work a corporate job as well yep yeah i work um, at google okay so you're working a corporate job you're also a founder at nighttime you yep. know usually that five to nine right yep. then more importantly your mom and then you're trying to balance your friendships and then you have this marriage like how do you find time to do all yeah. of these things yeah i mean it is difficult do you sleep sure. yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah no i I, th- I think sleep is actually huge when i don't sleep enough i actually start to get sick so anytime i start feeling any bit of, of a cold coming on i know it's because i didn't sleep enough and i can usually make sure it doesn't come on if i just try and sleep more sleep is hard when you have a five-month-old he is starting to sleep through the night so that makes it a little bit easier but i think it's more making sure you are working on things you care about to get excited about it so even though i'm like giving chad a hard time about not going on vacations and stuff on the weekends, I'm the one also helping encourage us to like want to work, want to record these things. You know, it's it's fun for me. So you just have to choose things you like. Like, of course, having a baby, you're it's great. It's fun. It's hard, challenging. But then working at Google, making sure I just have a job there that I really enjoyed, that I can make a big impact on. And then all the things I do at the mission, like co-founding the mission with Chad, that's just really fun for me. Like everything we do is fun. I love it. I love all the podcasts. I love all of our clients and customers and like our team. It's just really fun. So, you know, when it, when I get home from work or the weekends, like that's the stuff I'm thinking about because I just see it making a difference in people's lives. And it's just really impactful and fun to think about. And I mean, like we were talking about earlier when Grayson was born about QCing the Mission Daily episodes. Yeah. At While you were pregnant, you were due date. Oh, yeah. So on the due date, I was recording with Chad and Ian. And what were you guys talking about? I think it was just like a normal Mission Daily episode. I don't know why it was the three of us, but we can go back through the archives and find yeah, out. Yeah, I, I can't. We did kind of mention it, but we mentioned it really quickly because I was like, I think people might get upset if they because they're going to think you guys are making me like record with you because it was on my due date and Ian mentioned it and Chad was like, oh gosh, like, should we even say that? <laughs> but I was fine. Like, it's not like I was having the baby right there, but. Yeah, so then after Grayson came at like two in the morning, I mean, I was waking up like every 30 minutes to feed him in the beginning. And that's what you do. They like cluster feed. And I would put my headphones on and just listen, review episodes of the Mission Daily to make sure that the audio was right and, you know, that things were going to be published on time and stuff. So that's why I'd be doing it like two in the morning, four in the morning. It was great. (laughs) So do you think it is possible? Because, I mean, you've been able to do it and, you know, sharing your story about, you know, kind of sleep and, you know, kind of the things that you're, you're passionate about and the things that you love. But do you, do you think it's possible? Like, do you really think that we as a society are even taking more consideration and in, in promoting that type of opportunity or maybe those, those possibilities towards women who have children, right? Even yeah. single moms. I mean, you know, t- give me your take on that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think it's really hard, but it depends where you work. Like if you want to work at a job, I think they have to be helpful with coming back. I think it's really hard for women to return to work. I know I was struggling with it in the very beginning. I did not want to go back to work, even though it's Google, like the best place to work in the world. And I was like, I just don't want to go back. And I even kind of told a lot of my managers and you know coworkers, like, man, I just really, I want to hang out with Grayson all day. You see how much your baby's changing in literally like a day to be like, I'm going to be away from him for, you know, from like seven in the morning or eight in the morning until six. That's really hard to think about being gone that long, especially when they're sleeping. Like he wakes up at seven and I leave around seven thirty, 
and then I get home and it's like he's already preparing for bed. I get home maybe at like 5.30 or 6 and he's preparing for bed at 7. It's like you get two hours with him maybe. And when you go from, you know, being on maternity leave, if you're lucky to have a paid maternity leave, to then being like, I only get to see my baby for like a couple hours a day, it's really hard. And I think the best advice I got was give it six weeks. So go back. You're going to feel like you want to quit every day. This is my old manager who gave me this advice. And she said, just go back for six weeks and just know that's going to be really hard and you're not going to enjoy it. And make sure your team puts you on a project that makes it worth it to be away from your baby. And so my new manager was all about that. And so that's where they, they put me on a really great project. So I work in the geo department on maps and street view and stuff like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's really cool. So you've literally seen everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know how the maps are made and figuring out like how many street view cars we need and what kind of hardware we should buy. And we had just developing like five-year plans around that. That's like my role there. And before I was in finance, so I was managing geo's budget and a satellite company that we've recently sold uh, called terabella so i was managing them and was one of two finance people who did the divestment of them and it was really cool like all that stuff was really fun and then moved to the engineering ladder to be a program manager in geo so they put me on a really great project when i got back and it kept me it's keeping me engaged and it's really fun and i think you have to do that for women who go on maternity leave you have to give them something that makes it worth it to come back to because if they go back to the same job maybe they were doing before it's easy to be like, I know what that's like, and I don't, it's not worth it. I want to stay home. Do you think companies are doing enough for maternity leave? I know that's like a yeah, big. I know it's a, it's a big topic. It depends. I, from one side, from being the co-founder of the mission, I can see it being really hard for small companies, startups and things like that to hire someone knowing that, you know, they're going to have a baby maybe. And to me, I think they, they need to be with that baby for at least three to four months afterwards, which is a long time. That's what Google does. You get a month off beforehand and then four after. So it's like a long time. So I see that where I'm like, I think that's like necessary to at least be with them until they're four months old when they can kind of start being able to sit up and you feel like a little bit more comfortable. Like, hey, at least if they roll over, they're not going to suffocate and die because no one gets them. Like they can push themselves back over. You start to feel like they might be okay. Yeah, I think I think some companies are doing enough and others need to kind of like step it up because think it's necessary to give people give women enough time to be able to bond with the baby get into a schedule that's really hard getting into a schedule having a baby and understanding when they can nap and when you can do things and like how often you have to feed them and yeah google's just really great because they ease me back into it you do like a two-week ramp up period where you do half days and then they've got mother's room so you can like pump milk and you have your own private space like they do a really good job of making sure it's very very helpful to moms returning back to work and i think a lot of companies could learn from them of like how to make sure that, you know, all women are able to come back in a way that they feel like it's not a hassle that they have to like go pump milk for their baby or, you know, it maybe, shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, it should be the norm. But a lot of places like I was telling you how, yeah, my sister's a teacher and she was pumping milk in a closet in the school. And I'm like, that's not cool. Like That's the, insane. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's and I think even teachers I mean, she might tell me that other teachers, they can tell me if this is wrong, but I think for her, she had to use her vacation days as maternity leave. So she went back and she didn't have any more vacation days. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and she thought it was crazy that, that yeah, you got that I got maternity leave and right. it wasn't vacation. Like I still have my vacation days when I get back and she was like, oh, all mine. Like I, I tried to plan it. So I would have a baby during summertime. So then like, I wouldn't use all my vacation days. I'm like, how sad is that? You know? Well, and that's a and, and that's another 
thing that we should definitely discuss on on some future episodes is yeah. the kind of the state of education. Obviously, Time yeah. Magazine came out. I want to say last week they had the teacher on the the cover. She was working like she had two master's degrees, working like crazy hours, and like not even making forty k in yeah. Oklahoma somewhere. And that to me, that cover was one of the few covers that Time has done that's like really struck a chord in me. Yep. So you painting that picture, I can only I can't I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah, I think it's already hard enough and. Yeah, when people complain about, you know, women not being in the workforce enough, or I think a lot of that has to do with just the companies encouraging them to come back and making sure that managers and the corporate team and executives put enough time and thought into like what they should do to encourage and, you know, give that flexibility for women to come back and know that it's going to be hard for them and be very flexible with them in the very beginning, knowing that it will pay off if you do that in the beginning, that after a certain time, I could see a lot more women wanting to stay if they knew like, okay, I want to like breastfeed, you know, my kid for a year. If I can keep pumping milk while I'm at work, I feel good about that. Like he's going to be able to keep having the milk that I want to give to him. So just, just little things like that, I think could make a big difference. Do you find a lot of camaraderie with other working moms? Yeah. I mean, you'll be, I'll be in the pumping room and someone will be next to me. There's like little curtains, but just start talking to them. And it's pretty funny. Kind of like the military. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I wasn't in the military. Yeah, so I don't I know. know. But yeah, it's. it's You're married to a guy who can probably show. You guys probably have working moms. Probably have like some war stories that you guys go through and share. Yeah. Yes. So. Do you like being a mom? Yeah. No, it's really great. It puts things in perspective. Like um, what? Like what's important mm-hmm. and what should or shouldn't stress you out. I think that. Yeah, it really makes you be like, you know what? None of this is a big deal. Like I've got the cutest, best baby right now to focus on and all this other stuff can wait a lot of times or I don't really need to get stressed because even when I was pregnant, it's like if you would get stressed, I would actually feel it like it was impacting him. It's hard to explain, but like I knew it was impacting him. So I think it really just puts you in a different mindset. Like, is it worth it? Is it worth it to impact the baby that was in me? Or even, you know, now that he's out into the world, like he he can tell. So I think just... Yeah, it, it really makes you think differently. Chad said something in his interview that I had asked him, what has Grayson taught him in his first five months on the earth? Yeah. And Chad said, I've learned that I just want him to be the best person mm-hmm. that he can be. And he's taught me that I just need to do the best I can. So yeah. what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? What has Grayson taught you in the mm. first five months? I think he's taught me to be more curious about the world because you know, I'll be holding him and he just stares at everything. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, and it'll be a light bulb or a curtain or whatever, like very, very basic things. But he just looks at things in awe that made me be like, man, I need to start viewing the world like that again. Of just like, how great is everything we're surrounded by? You know, walking outside, he just looks at trees. Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my whole five month life. That's how I want to look at things and, you know, look at people. It's just, a good way, I think, to approach life that I think I kind of was missing for a little bit there. And then when I saw him doing that, I'm like, I want to channel that. That's good. Yeah. Part of our accelerated learning, right? Yep. There you go. Try more. Yeah. The Mission Daily is brought to you by the Twilio Signal Conference. Join the mission team on October 17th through the 18th in San Francisco. And when you join us at the conference, you can use the code MISSION20 to get 20% off. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.